Hey folks, just a quick heads up about this episode. We recorded this week's episode with Earl Skakel in December of 2019, and that is the audio that you will be hearing. Earl is a paid regular at the world famous comedy store and has a lot of friends in comedy. He's also a personal friend of mine and a pretty lovely dude. He mentions a few topics that will be sensitive during the current climate, but arguably the most sensitive will be when he mentions Chris D'Elia and how important Chris's comedy has been for Earl, both professionally and for the zeitgeist. Twitter is literally drowning in receipts for what D'Elia is being accused of, but you could read Chris's statement about how he feels about the allegations, if you'd like. It's not on this episode. If you or someone you know is dealing with current trauma or post-trauma of any sort of sexual assault or violence, you may want to skip this episode. Also, for a list of resources and to get support, please visit rainn.org. That's rain.org or call 1-800-656-HOPE. They are available 24/7 to connect you with trained staff members from a sexual assault service provider in your area. This podcast is neither supported nor endorsed by Rain at the time of this recording. We really appreciate you guys for listening. Earl's hilarious. He has a comic and this episode is lighthearted and fun. So let's get on with it. you're listening to service from hell the podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky ones that got out and all the good bad and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work i'm actor and writer kate gaffney and i'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as i currently work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in los angeles and at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me that you were ready to order when i was running around like a crazy person so let's eat I'd like to welcome our guest, Earl Skakel. Earl is a comic, writer, actor, originally from Los Angeles, California. Earl's voice can currently be heard on the Cartoon Network series, The Jellies, as the patriarch, Barry Jelly. You may have also heard his voice on the, his hilarious podcast, Inappropriate Earl, where he talks with successful people he respects about things that matter to him, mostly 80s bands like Rat. If you live in LA or have ever visited, you've probably also seen him on comedy stages all over the city, most notably as a paid regular at the comedy store on the Sunset Strip. I better know Earl from passing each other in the halls of the comedy club where I work. Earl, please tell us a little bit about yourself well that pretty much covers it <laughs> 20 years into stand-up grew up in bel-air most comics can't say that but it was very you know when i had this conversation last night with someone where they asked me where i was from i said bel-air and they're like oh you're rich and uh my dad in the 60s bought a house in bel-air for very little money and there was a bel-air fire that burned down every home in bel-air but ours Holy shit. So we were just lucky. It was like being number one in a tech stock that, <laughs> that blew up because then Bel Air became like the home of athletes and, and certainly today rappers and, and NFL players and actors. But back then it was just a hillside. So, so it wasn't what we know it of. No, as there was, I don't think there's very many rich people there. It was like no better a neighborhood than like Culver City. Wow. And I'm not putting Culver City down, but like, <laughs> you know, it was just a hillside. And my dad built a home there and or he bought a home there. And uh, we got very lucky. Like he bought a membership to Bel Air Country Club, which today I think is now $400,000 just to get, sign up. Get out of here. Just to get the membership is that then the monthly dues are like, I don't know what they are now, but like they're probably two to three grand a month but when my dad bought the membership it was for fifteen hundred dollars oh wow so you know we just lucked out we were like the adams family living in bel-air <laughs> like we had dogs pigs cats ducks we had a pond you know and and like our neighbors ended up being like stallone and uh, oj Holy and, shit. Uh, you know, uh, James Kahn, uh, Will Chamberlain, you know, these are older celebrities. So younger people are like, who's Will Chamberlain? But, 
You know, he was a very famous basketball player. And, you know, it was just the most surreal environment to grow up in. So, yeah. Did you identify with the, like, the people around you? Or were you just like, we are so weird? I, I could tell we were weird. Uh, <laughs> you know, like Harry Nielsen was our neighbor, and him and my dad would go drinking a lot. And Harry Nielsen's younger kids definitely wouldn't know who he is, but like he was like the fifth Beatle. Oh, shit. Like, he wrote songs with John Lennon, and he had that song, uh, Can't Live Without You, that was gigantic in the 70s. And, you know, it's like as big as any Lady Gaga song is today. That was him Holy back then. Shit. So it was kind of neat to, like, oh, that's the guy who wrote that song, and, and many others. And, and like, there's an oil billionaire that lived right beside us named Howard Keck. So if you ever go to USC, you'll see the Keck Medicine Building. You don't get a building named after your USC for donating $50. So <laughs> that's why some of my stand-up stories are somewhat unique. Because most comics grew up in a bad neighborhood or a, a lower-income neighborhood. And they can't tell stories about OJ throwing them a football. Wow. You know, and stuff like that. So. Wait, so what... So because most comics come from sort of a rougher background, what is it that got you into stand-up? Like what? Because usually it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sad or whatever. Like Well, why? Uh, most of my friends who all went to upper income high schools like Beverly High and Loyola, which are, you know, are you out of towners? They're big high schools in Los Angeles. They all ended up getting into the business. They're all at the time managers, agents at like ICM and CAA and William Morris and, you know, Three Arts. What would, you know, these are all huge companies. Yeah. And they were like, you're funnier than any of our clients. Just get into stand-up and we'll help you. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Well, unfortunately, I got into stand-up and then they all quit the business to get into real <laughs> estate. Except for one guy who's still in the business and he's probably one of the bigger managers in the entertainment business. But, you know, stand-up is its own island. Like, you can't... Like, I used to date a very big music manager and she was like, dude, I want to help you because you're, you know, great or whatever. But I, stand up is like untouchable. Well, it's just a, you have to be in it to help someone. You you could be a big movie manager or a TV uh, agent, and it's like it's not going to help you get in at the comedy store. It's, mm. it's, it's so it's I didn't I struggled for a long time because most of my friends quit the business, and it took me a long, long time to uh, get past at the comedy store, like thirteen years. Holy shit! And then uh, you know. Roast Battle was my first TV appearance, which was like at that time 15 years. So it's not an overnight success story. <laughs> Can you? Um, so I left Roast Battle out of your bio because I wasn't sure. You know, are you able to talk? Oh, about yeah. It? People think okay. I hate the show. Like, I, I love the show. I just I wish some things would have gone different in terms of how I was treated. But, you know, I did Comedy Central's festival this year. So I, I don't think I burned a bridge with them. Oh, great. Which is the great thing about having a podcast or social media is if you feel wronged, you can talk about it. Sure. Like, you know, I had a bad experience with Catch Restaurant <laughs> where uh, <laughs> I, my uh, significant other uh, took me to uh, Catch and they treated us horribly, made us wait an hour. She's in tears because it's my birthday Aww. and, and uh, they were just incredibly rude. And, you know, 10 years ago, you would just say, hey, it was a bad experience. It sucks. But, you know, and now, you know, maybe five years ago, you could leave a Yelp review, but those don't hurt a business. They Not really anymore. Don't. Yeah, they don't. I mean, even the comedy store has bad Yelp reviews. Oh, I'm named in several of those. <laughs> but yeah, but it's not hurting the comedy store. No. It's sold out every night. Yeah. But uh, I think podcasts like this and, uh, 
you know, Twitter and, you know, Instagram and Facebook, I guess, uh, you can say, hey, I had a bad experience at Catch and you can detail it, and which I did. So I love that now you can have a voice and you know, stuff like that. So when I spoke out about Roast Battle, uh, you know, I'm sure Comedy Central wasn't exactly pleased with it, but, you know, I, I love Roast Battle. I, I mean, I was there last night. It was sold out. Six years. It's, it's still it's amazing. It's crazy how big it still is. I mean, Brian Moses deserves everything he gets because... Bless him. He works his hard. He works hard. You know, yeah. it, it's usually in L.A. comedy, and I know this isn't a comedy podcast, but, like, a okay. show lasts maybe a year, two at tops, but six is... I, I've never seen it before. You mean like a house show that like people have to go buy yeah. tickets to see? Yeah, like you know, there used to be a, a a nightclub that was turned into a comedy club called Dublin's, and uh, it was the hottest room in the country for like a year and a half, and then it like started that. to fade out. And then the Friars Club in Beverly Hills was the hottest room in in the country, and you know, a year year and a half, it started to fade out. I mean, Roast Battle is still climbing, it seems, even yeah. though I don't think it's coming back on TV. The but the local shows, people still love it. Well, it's a great art form. Some people would argue it's not comedy because it's just in, insulting Insults. someone. But it's definitely a skill that a lot of people don't have. But I love the show. Like, it's given me everything. You know, Jeff Ross got it on TV, so I owe him a lot. And Brian, you know, let me be a sidekick for a long time, which, you know, Tyler, the creator, saw me one night, and that's how I got the cartoon. Wait, can you... I, I love this story so much. Can you actually... Because he... The, Earl shares this from stage, so I don't want to burn one of your bits, but I oh, just no, love it's, this it's, story. Uh, you know, it, when I tell the story on stage, I kind of lie and say it happened in whatever room I'm playing, but it actually... Uh, one night, I was... I used to play a character on Roast Battle called the House Racist. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I did not know this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like Archie Bunker, you know, meets George Jefferson. You know, it's just a, an incredibly racist character. <laughs> But the, that was the joke, that this is a show hosted by Brian Moses, who's black. You know, obviously, he's not going to have an actual racist as his sidekick. Sure. But that was the show back then, was anything goes. I mean, it was, and I grew up, you know, my influences weren't traditional stand-ups. Who were they? All in the Family, which oh. Archie Bunker. Uh, and there was a show, it's a... It's not a well-known show, but it's an, it's probably my favorite TV show of all time called The White Shadow. Gwyneth Paltrow's dad created it, sure. and it's a show about a white coach coaching in an all-black school. This was it's, It ran from uh, 78 to 80, so it was only on for three seasons. But back then, TV seasons were like 25 episodes. Sure, that's a lot of episodes. So it, it probably got six or seven seasons worth of shows in three seasons. Yeah. But it was a groundbreaking TV show because it was like an ensemble version of All in the Family. And each episode covered some heavy stuff like uh, abortion. You know, a player would get a girl pregnant and, and they would kind of intermingle that with humor. Probably my favorite TV episode of all time, and it's where I got a lot of my sense of humor from, is when the coach takes uh, two black players from the team and Salami, the Italian guy, <laughs> to a very racist country club <laughs> to play golf. Okay. And all these kids on the show ended up being huge directors. Really? Like, uh, Salami, the Italian guy, and I can hear your listeners leaving as I'm telling this <laughs> Thanks, story. Thanks, this is great. But uh, <laughs> he ended up directing all the Sopranos. Holy shit. Uh, and uh, Kevin Hooks, who played the point guard, he ended up directing like dozens of TV shows. And, and uh, so it was a, a very talented cast. But the, the golf club episode was just these 
three high school kids running around this racist country club and and that's where i got my humor from like i wanted to uh tell awful stories like you know because i grew up in a racist country club so you know i tell stories <laughs> about that but i'm likable like i'm the yeah. likable crazy guy so that was what you did on roast battle you just yeah. became the likable crazy guy i became and then a comedy central came on board and uh, they were like, well, we love Earl. He's really funny, but we can't have that on TV. Like, we have sponsors and stuff, so we can't. <laughs> we, can he battle? And uh, I don't think I'd ever battled at that time. So I started getting into battling because I wanted to be on TV. And then, uh, you know, I was pretty good at it. And <laughs> maybe a little too good because I... <laughs> Did you make people cry? Well, I beat some people that I don't think they wanted me to beat. So I became very popular as a roast battler. And then, you know, Tyler, the creator, one night saw me. He was sitting next to Jamar Neighbors, and I just thought he was... Jamar's a very funny comic. Uh, I thought he was just friends with Jamar. So I started hammering Tyler, the creator, with these pretty out-there, semi-racial uh, jokes. Not knowing at any clue who he was, just N so that know. the audience understands. He did not know who Tyler, the creator, was. Yeah, I'm an 80s metalhead, yep. so like I, I could tell you who the fourth bass player in Dokken is. He actually could. I really could. Uh, his name's uh, Jeff Pilson. Uh, I mean, Tyler was just some skinny black dude. I thought was friends with Jamar. And so I started just ripping into him. And he came up to me after the show. He's like, hey, uh, I want you to be the dad on my cartoon. And I was like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Tyler, the creator. And I'm like, great, I'm Earl the Comic. Uh, <laughs> now what? And uh, then I apologized to him for the things I said because I saw him talking uh, with Gerard Carmichael. Oh, shit. Like, oh, he's Vincent Gerard. I better like apologize. not be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, and I can't say what he said to me, but he was like, "My blank, you my blank," and I'm like, "Oh wow, can I call you that?" <laughs> and it's like bodyguard or like this huge dude he was with goes, "No," <laughs> but you know, like okay, I, I'm we're still doing the show. It's four seasons later or whatever, and. uh so that's why I owe Roast Battle a lot. Like, and you're the only white member of the cast, right? Yeah, I'm the only. I, they might have a guest star every now and then to play like the, the video store clerk, but of uh, the main cast, I'm the only white guy on the show. Like when I met my wife and daughter on the show, they looked at me and were like, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm Barry Jelly. Who are you guys? And they're like, oh, I'm Debbie and Cornell, which, which is the wife, wife and son on the show. I'm like, And they look at me and they're like, you're white and i'm like well you're black uh, so. <laughs> so now we've established that great <laughs> and bill lamar who's on the show he's the son he's yeah. like probably the most in-demand voice actor in the world really i mean any cartoon you've watched he's on it uh, he's done a voice on it any animated movie you've seen he's probably had a voice on it so to get to do work with him is like working with De Niro in, in a oh, movie. Oh, that's awesome. Like, you know, he's there was one scene where uh, I know way too much about voiceover work now, but uh, if you say the word anything with a P in it, you, yeah. your lips tend to pop it. Like if you say uh, power, you know, you, yeah. there's that. And there was one scene where I just couldn't stop doing it. And he's like, dude, just put a pencil in front of your face. I'm like, what is that going to do to myself? And then sure enough, I guess if you put something in front of your uh, mouth between the microphone and the and the mouth, it breaks the sound, and I didn't do it again. Get out of here. So he's like working with like, he's like the MacGyver of voiceovers because it's just, he knows all the tricks. You credit Roast Battle, I mean, obviously your talent, but like you credit Roast Battle with oh, like all those introductions. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, 
Uh, and I got on I'm Dying up here. Uh, That's what I wanted you to talk about. Now. One night, the, I think it was the main producer and one of the writers. I guess I was doing my thing and I, I left or went downstairs and, and they went to Moses and was like, who's that wacky guy in the corner? You know, because we need a role. We need a bitter late night comic. <laughs> uh, Al Sims. <laughs> And uh, I was like, wow, I could do that part. Uh, <laughs> they even, they literally didn't write me any. I, I didn't have that many lines, to be honest with you, but they were like, dude, just act how you acted that night. <laughs> and you're like, good, that's my whole vibe. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> Here's some material, just switch it out, like, because they knew I do a lot of 80s jokes. They're like, well, you can't do that because the show's based in the 70s. But uh, just say it like you would. Replace Rat with like Liberace. And so, <laughs> which if you've seen some of Rat's videos, it's pretty easy. Possible. Uh, <laughs> so I owe Roast Battle everything, really. Wow. So it's like even the voiceover work I get now is based on the jellies, which is based on Roast Battle. So, and, and you know, Tyler, the creator, is just like, He's so successful. I hope he still wants to do the cartoon. The jellies, yeah. Because he just had the number one album in the country. It's actually and, really and, good. Uh, you know, his clothing store in Fairfax is like lying out the door every day. And, I didn't know he had a clothing store. Yeah, it's called, uh, I'm not sure what it's called. I think it's called Golf. Just oh, Golf. A, sure. And uh, if you drive by Fairfax, there's a huge mural of his album, which was just number one. Uh, That's awesome. So, you know, if this was my cartoon, the season three would have already been done. Really? Because you'd just be too busy doing other things. No, I wouldn't be busy at all, so I would do it. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. But oh. with him, it's like he just sold out Dodger Stadium. To perform? He had a festival there, and you know, he's, it's his festival. Holy shit. And, uh, I think uh, Drake was the headliner, and the crowd booed because they wanted Frank Ocean, and so oh. there's a big you know, hubbub about that. That's so nuts. I didn't realize he had all that going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's, I don't even know what, he probably has movie. He just did the song on the Grinch. He redid the main song on the Grinch. The one, Mr. Grinch, that one. Yeah. So he's like, you know, cartoon to him is like probably low on his list of things. Sure. Is he, does he voice any of the characters on the show? Oh, yeah. He does a lot of the voices. uh, Because there's a lot of, if you ever watch an episode of it, hopefully you guys do, uh, There's a lot of side characters, like the guy who works at the video store, and like he did one uh, show where there's a old age home with every rapper from the '90s. Oh, that's awesome! You know, like Coolio. And, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I think those two brothers, uh, crisscross, crisscross, yeah, jump, jump, J- yeah. Like they were in it, and uh, uh, and he voiced all of it. Uh, he vo- voiced a lot of them. That's awesome. So, and his main writing partner, Lionel, who is his best friend in life does a lot of the voices too it's like a family i'm like the only non family member. family you know i don't think anyone had to audition for the show it was just he was just like hey these are my do you friends. want to do this i think he would just went to phil lamar do you want to be the son um, and i didn't even really have to audition it was like do you want to be the dad i'm like sure that's so neat so that's why i'm very loyal to roast battles sure literally all of this but you said that was like 15 years into comedy you yeah okay so what was for the for the process of getting like to that place? Like, how did you motivate yourself to keep going? Because that's a lot of years to put towards something and feel like you're not getting at 13 oh, absolutely. years. How did you stay focused? Um, you just have to believe in yourself and you have to be delusion based thinking. Okay. But, but you have to be. It's not going to make sense what I'm going to say, but your delusion has to be based in reality. So, like, I know I'm funny enough to make it, whatever that means. Yeah. Of course, making it's different for everyone. Sure. 
there's open micers who think I'm famous. Uh, you are though, Earl. I mean, like you're successful. To a degree. I mean, like I had a guy come up to me last night, and I could tell he was star not starstruck, but whatever. And he's like, "Dude, you're famous. You're Earl Skakel." Blah blah blah. Oh. I bought you a rat tour rider from 1987. Why is that the sweetest thing of all time? Well, the guy was like, like you could tell he was like nervous, and he was like shaking, giving me this. Uh, now, for those of you who are wondering what a tour rider is. It's like when Rat or Van Halen or Lady Gaga, the killers, they go on tour, they have a list of demands. Yeah, this is the famous uh, green right. M&M thing, right? This with, is the, yeah, with, like Van Halen my... would not want, I think it was brown M&Ms, mm. and they would put that number one on their rider, and before they would play, they would have someone go back there and see if there were any brown M&Ms. Because they thought, well, if they couldn't follow through on this simple request, what about when Eddie wants a certain, uh, you know, amount of amps on stage? They're not going to do that either. So it's kind of smart. I heard also it was for safety because they felt like they weren't reading the full writers to know right. where the, how the stage was rigged or all yeah. of that. They, and they were, it was a test. They wanted, you know, and it makes sense. Like if you ask something simple and it's not done. You're not going to you know, get the bolts gonna, on the side of the stage, correct? I yeah. Know. But to, to me, like Chris D'Elia is famous, you know, and then I'm sure to even Chris, he looks up to say Rogan. Like Adam Sandler, Sandler sure. uh, or Rogan, you know, yeah. Rogan's like the top, you know, top dude. And then I'm sure even Rogan looks up to someone like uh, old school, like Lenny Bruce or George Carlin. And, sure. you know, and that, I'm sure even George Carlin looked at someone and thought, well, I want what they have. And like, it becomes benchmarks for what success becomes. And yeah. You, yeah. So, uh, so but he, like, he handed you the writer. So what did you say to him? Were you I like, was oh. like, oh, my God, this is crazy. This is why I want to like become famous, not for Just money to get free or, band or shit. girls or <laughs> Like I had a fan once send me uh, an Abdullah the Butcher doll. Now, you, you thought the hockey talk was going to get rid oh of boy. listeners. Uh, <laughs> Here talk, we go. <laughs> talking about wrestlers from the Mid-South. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> this like is me such and a Ralphie. niche audience. Oh, it, I mean, but it's, I think, and this goes to why hopefully people like my stand-up. I'm talking right now about stuff that people probably aren't interested in, like Rat or Abdullah the Butcher but they see the enthusiasm that, that I, you have that, and they go, okay, that's gotta be pretty funny. But, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't even know an Abdullah, the butcher doll existed. What is Abdullah, the butcher? He was a wrestler. Like if you tell most people you're into wrestling, people just assume you like Hulk Hogan, yeah. Steve Austin, the rock, uh, stone cold, or yeah, that's Steve Austin. Uh, you sting the wrestler. But I, me and Ralphie may always bonded over this guy named Abdullah, the butcher, who was like probably about five ten and four hundred pounds, oh my God. and just and I don't I'm just a fat slob. Uh, he, he has tits like Ooh. he has his chest is so like flabby that he has his nipples are literally on the side of his body. Come on! Oh, it's look. I mean, you don't have to do it now, but just like and uh, his shtick was he was uh, from the Sudan. Oh boy. Uh, and he's just a, he would uh, like take a cheese grater on his forehead and rub it against his forehead. So he has these massive divots in his head. Oh my god, that yeah. scar is so gross. Well, he like oh. would put a fork in his head to bleed. Oh my god. And oh. the, the whole point I'm uh oh, it, there's so many worse pictures than that. Oh. But the whole point of bringing this up is like a fan I don't know where this guy got this doll, but he sent me an Abdullah the Butcher doll. So, like, fan. sent it to your house? No, he like... sent it to the comedy store, Aww. you know, and uh, I think one of the managers, like, hey, Earl, you got a package here. And I opened it up and I literally got the chills. Oh, 
Because it was like, wow, some guy thought enough of me to, oh, this guy likes Abdullah the Butcher. I'm going to make some calls. And like my first episode I did of Roast Battle on TV, you know, I was very nervous because it was my first time on TV. And uh, I was in Montreal and they made this stage from a nightclub. It looked like an octagon. It was like a spaceship with lasers shooting everywhere. And I walk out there for my battle and I look to my left. And there's a guy in the front row with a T-shirt that says the Skakel Army. Oh, <laughs> Earl, that's so sweet. And he did it because he knows I like Kiss. He, yeah. he, he could probably get sued, but he <laughs> took the Kiss Army logo and he just took out Kiss and put, and put it in Earl, Skakel. Skakel. Oh. And uh, so that's why I want to make it. It's just get free shit. <laughs> okay, that's I don't honest. care about money or girls or whatever. None like, of that. Just cool niche things yeah. that show people are listening to what you have to say. Like people make me berry jelly fan stuff all the time. I'll die. Like, uh, you know, I've gotten dolls and figurines and uh, pillows and frisbees and like, so. That's, that's so sweet. But, you know, that's what keeps me going now is like for 13 years, I had nothing. Zero. Jesus. Uh, like no good gigs at all you know i mean i opened up for rob schneider about nine years in for four years and that showed me the good side of the business but it was also like oh they're just all here to see him yeah it doesn't feel great i mean it it, it wears off after a while just because you're like well they're literally every person in this room is there to see, to see him. him even my girlfriend at the time was there to see rob <laughs> So, oh, you know, it was just like, I don't, I'd rather go play empty rooms and like, no, they're the two they're there people to, that are there at least yeah. hear me. And Rob is very generous and nice to me. But it's not a criticism of him. It's just the reality oh, no. of the audience. I mean, to get to play, I mean, I played in a theater in San Francisco with 2,000 people. I was like, and they, they were nice to me. And like, so you get that rush of 2,000 people. Oh, uh, I can't imagine. You know, it was, you thought of quitting a few times, but. You know, you just realize, all right, this is the business, and you either quit or you keep doing it. Yeah, there's it, no, there's no halfway. Well, if you quit, no one's gonna care. Like, there's yeah. so many comics out here. It's a great Earl's a great guy, but that's just Go one by. less person. Yeah, you know, one so. less roadblock. Yeah, so no one. I I probably would have quit if I thought people would have cared. Oh, that's so funny. You know, uh, but no one would like. So you're like, I have to get to the point where they'd care, then I'll quit. Yeah, I mean, you see comics dying, and like everyone's yeah. sad for a week or two, and oh well, that's one more person we don't it, have to it, deal with. It is crazy how quickly people move on when someone dies. Like it is, especially in entertainment, but specifically yeah. comedy. Well, yeah. I, even with Brody, like yeah. everyone loved Brody, and he was yeah. a legend and an icon, and especially in L.A. comedy. Yeah. But you know, after two weeks, it's like, well. I, Brody's not going on last anymore at the comedy store. So Who's going to fill the spot? Yeah, that's two more spots we get now. Like, it's Ooh. brutal. Like, yeah, it is. Stand-up's yeah, brutal. God bless. Okay. that Those were the apps. Thanks, guys. Um, we are going to move on to the main meal after a quick break. Okay, we're back, and now it's time to move on to the entrees. Now, Earl, I offered to let him know the what the order of things with this podcast, but he said he does better with no information at all. So we're going to do a super speedy speed round of questions now in relation to customer service. Okay, so what was your first job ever? And it doesn't have to be customer service, but like you're just your first job. Uh, parking cars, Bel Air Country Club. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, how many customer service jobs have you had total? Uh, probably three or four in my lifetime. Okay. What were they? All working at gyms after, uh, the ballet gig at the Bel Air country club didn't really pan out cause I didn't know how to drive stick. 
So, <laughs> that was the reason. Did you get fired? Well, my dad was a legend at Bel Air Country Club. If you know, if you've ever seen the movie Caddyshack, he was basically the Rodney Dangerfield character. Okay, like he would like Bel Air Country Club was a very very wealthy. You know, the tops of industry are members there. Just most of them don't even show up there. They just want to say they have a membership. They have a membership. There. Yeah. So I was protected up there because uh, everyone loved my dad because he would like be the only member who would let the caddies drive in the car with him and drink beer and <laughs> like he would show up. He was a diabetic. So in his own medical thinking, he thought, well, if I just feed myself candy bars uh, every three hours, it'll regulate my sugar. Oh, I mean, my God. He still did uh, insulin, but like in his mind, if he you know, had sugar in his body constantly, and it's kind of like what I do with caffeine. Sure, same. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I probably drink an energy drink every two hours, three hours. Earl. Oh, it's horrible. My body's going to blow up. That is so much caffeine. Every day, do you do that? Yeah. I mean, like I had one before I came here at one o'clock, uh, so I'll probably go buy a Seven Eleven or something, get another one, and then I'll go Jesus. home, write a few jokes, and then right before he, right before hot yoga, I'll take an energy drink, which is probably the worst thing in the world. Of you can do. all time, your poor heart. I know it's uh, hot yoga is like at the minimum 105 degrees and so you know you're supposed to relax and stuff and i'm sitting there like sweating like a banshee like, trying to get that caffeine out your system yeah, like my heart's going like this and but but you get that from your father who yeah is so mainlining candy bars yeah he really was he okay. would like and he'd leave the candy bars in his golf bag and so they'd melt and so he would go in there and he would like eat what was left and then rub the chocolate on his shirt so he's walking around Bel Air Country Club <laughs> with like looks like you know doo doo on his shirt, <laughs> and uh, you know he's loaded half the time, and the caddies are loaded. Everyone's having the most fun of their yeah. life. So yeah. you were you were a protected person. So I, I didn't really get fired, but it might have been suggested that I not work there anymore. <laughs> so okay. Uh, you know, uh, and then I started working at health clubs, you know, because this was in the late 80s, early 90s. The health clubs were like, you know, the rage. The thing. But I haven't worked at a health club in like, my God, 25 years. Lucky you. What's your favorite job that you've ever had? And it can't, you can't say comedy, because obviously. Right. I mean, I would say working at the Sports Connection in Santa Monica, which was, if you've ever seen the John Travolta movie with Jamie Lee Curtis called Perfect, that, and all, that film was so bad it almost ruined both their careers. <laughs> Uh, but that's where the gym was. I worked at that gym. Were you there when they filmed? Uh, no, it was a little. That movie I think came out in '83, so I think I started working there in '89. But it was just a, it was very comedy store like, where it was the, all the employees slept with each other. Oh God! Like, which is still probably takes place today at the store. Mm -hmm. Facts, uh, all facts. Yeah, but it was just such a you know like we all we went to dinner together we we working minimum wage job but we had so much fun there like you know after hours we would you know hang out there and, and do whatever and, and you know we me and these two other guys we didn't like the aerobics instructor on tuesday mornings <laughs> so on monday nights we would do this thing called the monday night pose down which was we were all pretty big guys and we would like take our shirts off and pose and then we would stick the aerobic mic up our butts. Come on, Earl. So Tuesday <laughs> oh morning, the aerobic teacher who we didn't like was like oh. speaking right into a mic that three guys had stuck up their butts. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so, God. 
but, so it was just like comedy store alike. Like it was yeah. really great training. That, you know, people would fall asleep in the cover booth, which is where the members would come check in. You know, you literally your only job was to swipe a membership card. That's it. And the members would come in, and I or whoever else would be sleeping. And like <laughs> it was just the craziest group of people that you know you could put together and. But the place made so much money, it was like the comedy store. So they just didn't care. Well, I mean, on average, I would say 10 people signed up a day. Holy shit. And that's, you know, uh, I forget what the prices were, but, you know, 30 bucks to sign up, 30 bucks a month. For a gym, that's an insane rate of of signing up. Well, it's in the middle of Santa Monica, so it's the perfect place. You know, you had businesses, you had celebrities, so... It, it was a very outlaw environment because if someone complained, well, the jacuzzi's not working or this machine's not working, it's like, go ahead. If you want to quit, quit. We got 10 people signing up tomorrow. Holy uh, shit. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a risky model, though. You you eventually have to remember like that that heat can only exist for so long. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know, it's like in the comedy world, you know, comedy club can be hot, but mm-hmm. if, if one comic or two comics leave. leave, you know, God forbid if Rogan and Dalia ever yeah. left the comedy store which they won't because they it's they're treated like accordingly i mean yeah they are. Uh, but you know just a, a doomsday scenario situation uh, you know like with the previous talent coordinator who had pissed off joe you know yeah. you know i i can't speak for joe but i'm sure it was like all right i'll just go somewhere else yeah and he did and the and crowds was, went with him that's fact uh so well uh, and he told us he's thinking of moving to montana i don't know if that's yeah i mean you know if that, that but... uh he i think he'd always he'd probably fly back here a couple times a month because the store is just so magical but you know like i talked about catch earlier like catch is probably the number one restaurant in la right now but but with the way they treat people, it won't be for long. Yeah, you, know? you could. I mean, like, yeah, I say, yeah, I, I, that's a fact. There's always something that, you know, I've been to every high-end restaurant in, in the city over the last 30 years, and they come and go, you know, because they just have that attitude of, well, go ahead. We're untouchable. Uh, but eventually, you know. You get touched. Yeah, and then, you know, and there's other comedy clubs in the city. Correct. So, you know, I, but I think the comedy store recognizes that. So I don't mm. think... Uh, There'll be an exodus of comics anytime soon. <laughs> what was your least favorite job you've ever had? Uh, probably working the gym. Uh, <laughs> that, not that same gym. Yeah. Gym? Really? Uh, because people a treat, I think, and this is probably something you uh, deal with. Oh, you're a loser. You're, you're a waitress. Just get mm-hmm. my drink or get mm-hmm. my food. You, you know, chop, chop. Yep. Uh, and that's how it was at the gym, you know, because this was a fairly high-end gym. I mean, it was no Equinox, but it was up there. So people just look at you and go, you're making minimum wage. I don't need to show you my card. And like, yeah. I can't tell you how many people were like, you don't remember me. Oh, God. And I would say on average, at the height of Sports Connections heyday, probably 800 people went there a day. Holy shit. How could they how could they have the space and the capacity for that many members in a day? Well, it's a great racket because you figure most people aren't going to go. They're going to go. They just but yeah. you know, especially around this time, you know, it's December, January at any gym is packed. Yeah. A New Year's resolution and then about in February, a few drop off and then mm-hmm. March it's and then they pick up a little bit for a summer body, but it, a gym is a great business to own cuz probably 60% of the people who buy memberships don't show up. That's crazy to me. But they won't cancel it either because they're like, oh, I'll go tomorrow. Yeah, that's defeat. And You're like, tomorrow I'm Tomorrow comes. And, oh, yeah. I'll go next week. And 
So you were treated treated poorly. Oh, horribly. Us. Just people, oh, you're swiping membership cards. Uh, you what a loser. And my thing was, well, I got more money than you, so I'm good. Yeah, which is not normal, though, in that situation. Because no. most people would have to be like, I yes. have to take this. Yes, Mr. Jackson. Yeah. And I wouldn't. So They might have loved you, though, for that. Because like, giving them back a little bit of what they give might have earned you a little bit of respect. Well, I think at the it goes back to almost when I spoke out about like you know roast battle and Comedy Central. Deep down, I think Comedy Central respected me. Like, okay, this guy's just not going to take it. Yeah, you're not bending over. Yeah, but I was raised on one. My parents were very strange. Like my mom was a hillbilly from Cartersville, Georgia, but she had money because she was in her family was in the thoroughbred racing industry. Holy shit! Uh, and my dad was kind of like this Rodney Dangerfield character who you know, was in charge of an oil company, but at the same time, he was also on the cover of Life Magazine, or, yeah, Life Magazine, uh, for killing a whale. So he's like an adventure. And I mean a killer whale, like the size of this house. Oh, my God. Uh, like, has our childhood pool, which was like an Olympic-sized swimming pool, uh, the whale's jaw bones were the sides of the pool. Oh, my God. So it was like a big, you know, it was a gigantic whale. Sorry to all the animal lovers out there. Yeah, sorry about that. So, uh, but uh, so they were very strange parents, but they taught me respect. And uh, can I swear on this podcast? Absolutely. That my mom literally said when I was thirteen, uh, two things that stood out is like we all shit out of the same hole, <laughs> which is true. It's a fact. Even Joe Rogan has to go to the bathroom once a day, <laughs> at so, minimum, minimum uh, yeah. for that dude's diet. Well, probably with all the elk meat he eats, <laughs> yeah. probably more than once a day. Even Chris D'Elia has to go number two. Yeah, I have to go number two. You have to do it. Yeah. And then she said, "Earl, there's always someone with a bigger dick in the room." Wow. Which you know, when I I took that literally, so when I was like fourteen, I'm <laughs> you're like, like oh, which guy, one? Yeah, which that one? guy looks like he has a big dick. Uh, <laughs> so, but I was raised around respect. Mm. So when I feel disrespected, you know, I tend to speak out where, where most you. people wouldn't. Well, the stakes, I feel like when, like for most of us in customer service, like we, I mean, thank God that the job that I have now, like we, we get to, we have a little piss and vinegar. We get to say right. a few things, but for the most part in every customer service job I've had, it's like, yeah, the customer might not always be right, but you better not have any retaliation when, or any sort of retort when they say anything to you, you just have to smile and nod. And if you do have some sort of retort, be prepared to be fired. And so, because you had the advantage of like, if they fired you, you weren't, you still could pay your rent that, that yeah. helps. So you actually become the voice of all the people who can't say those things so your coworkers probably worshipped you because they were like fuck he's saying the things we wish we could say because when you have that person on the staff with you you're like where is that person I want them to say this thing to this person yeah I mean I'm uh, I often joke like I'm a voice of the voiceless but that's not a joke I mean that's a fat like in a customer service job we, uh, someone like you becomes like a god it's like oh thank goodness that there's someone here to speak for us well I think that's why so many beginning comics and open mic comics look up to me because they're like this guy's crazy he spoke out against like I don't know this comedy club for mistreating comics and because it, it's like I like like I love being in at the comedy store, so like I don't care about playing this club, you know. If they, and if they treat comics bad, I'll speak out about it. So, and that's you like continuing your mom's legacy, which is kind of a lovely way to do yeah, it. Respect. You yeah. Know. Okay. Um, what's the weirdest thing you've ever been asked to do whilst you are on the clock? I mean, boy, back at that gym, it was a real. <laughs> tell us. Uh, tell us. Probably one night I was closing. This place was such a wild card atmosphere that I was the night manager at one point <laughs> that feels risky <laughs> major mistake <laughs> like i counted the money i had thousands of dollars at my uh on my Disposal. hands and 
you know, I put it in the safe and all that stuff. Uh, one night, uh, I was closing up, and this guy comes downstairs in a towel, and I can't exactly use the language he used, but he's like, dude, you got to get up there. You got to get up to the shower room right now, right now. It's, it's going on. It's going on. And I thought, oh, someone fell and hit their head on the shower, and uh, there were these two dudes in the jacuzzi, like, doing whatever and and definitely having sex like uh, they were like i think they were like yeah well, what, i don't know what they were doing but like they were sitting very close to each other and i'm like guys come on and is that how you handled it you just walked yeah. in and you're like guys come on it's like guys what are you doing come on and they're like what i'm like you guys are clearly jacking each other off and they're like no we're not and so the the uh, bubble button was right by where i was standing so i i, I hit it and the bubble stopped and they're both like Dicks out. Hard as a rock. And I'm like, guys, come on, man. And so I had to kick him out. And <laughs> oh, like, man. Cancel their memberships. Oh, you canceled their membership? Well, you that. know, you can't be doing that in a jacuzzi. <laughs> I think it depends on the gym, but that's not there. But okay. probably the saddest thing I had to do, which kind of is the same thing, was uh, I'm a big baseball fan. And uh, I had to kick out Bill Madlock, who I know probably no one has heard of. I don't of, know who that is, yeah. In the late 70s, he, he was probably the best baseball player in the world. Holy uh, shit. Did he play for the Dodgers or who did he play for? No, he played for, I think, Pittsburgh and Chicago. And he was just like, he. I think he was an MVP one year and he won several batting titles. And uh, I had to kick him out because he wasn't paying his membership. Really? You know, it was so sad. You know, I was like, this guy's like one of my favorite players. And I'm like, hey, Mr. Madlock, you have to leave. You're overdue on your account. Oh, you know, like, God. Guys like that in the 70s, did, they made a lot of money, but like now, it, what they made now then was would be minimum wage now for, for, ba- baseball? for baseball. Like he probably made uh, anywhere from three to seven hundred thousand dollars, which sounds like oh my god. But now that's I think in the NHL, the hockey league, uh, minimum the minimum contract is nine hundred thousand. Holy! So shit. if you're a rookie coming in next year to play for the LA Kings, you're you're guaranteed to make nine hundred thousand dollars. You wow. can't make any higher. But but that, fuck, but who like, needs more than uh, so like. It. Bill Madlock was one of the best, if not the best, for a couple of years. His top salary was probably seven hundred thousand. So shit. they didn't make a lot of money, so they 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 burnt through it. They burnt through it, and so I had to I had to kick him out. Oh, that's awkward. That was the worst. That, yeah. Um, were you ever asked to like have a, a consensual relations while you were on the clock? Oh yeah, we did that all the time. This place, like, <laughs> you didn't even do. You're like, oh no, we did it. Okay, good. Oh no, I mean, it's like it was the wild west at that gym. Like, you know, I didn't like the manager. He was, he was like a reborn Christian type. He was always trying to get everyone into his religion. So, uh, I, I, you know, let's just say uh, something happened where he sat at night when he left, <laughs> and uh, I pulled out. Oh, oh my God, Earl! Just blasted on his desk <laughs> my God. okay oh i'm so glad i, asked you asked. I did i'm really glad i asked it, was there ever an incident i mean i guess in this case like you were the manager but before you were the manager was there ever an incident that a customer was like i want to speak to your manager oh all the time i mean <laughs> this, i mean i can't i'm holding back on these stories please don't like Please. there was uh this girl came up to the front desk one time and she was she was uh masculine looking i i didn't know she was a girl and uh she's like can i get the keys to the women's massage room and i'm like you want the keys to the women's massage room 
And she's like, yeah, do you want to see my fucking tits? And she lifted up her shirt and she had boobs. And uh, she asked to see the manager because she thought I was clowning on her. But I really thought she was a dude. You know, this uh, life cycle is not working. It's been broken for three weeks. I'm like, you know, lady, we'll get to it. And so they'd want to see the manager saying I was rude to them. Or, you know, I would do these semi-wacky closing announcements. <laughs> Please do one. I would be like, attention, ladies and gentlemen, it's now midnight. The sports connection is closed, so please get the fuck out. <laughs> and, you know, the next day the manager would call me and you know, hey, Earl, you can't really do that. You know, it's just like. You're like, oh, okay, okay, I'll never do it again. And then you did it the next and night. And I did it the next night. Yeah. And then I would answer the phone. You know, the phone calls that this place got a day where I would say probably 500 phone calls a day dear just god people calling about rates and well, this is pre-internet too yeah so, so like is... you couldn't look up and it's a whole thing on a health club like they won't give you rates over the phone because you could be the competition down the street just oh. wanting to, so you have to like talk these people into talking to a salesperson right and make an appointment and uh you know i would answer the phone and some wacky you know, sports connection. This is Pato Bonton. How can I help you? <laughs> so one night the manager knew I was doing this, so he called. And I, I'm like, sports connection. This is Larry, the cable guy. And he's like, girl, it's Jeff. I'm in the next. You know, and Jeff was the manager. Like, you can't do that. You're like, okay, okay. I'll, I'll stop. I'll definitely stop. Yeah. But I was really well liked, so I never really got into trouble. But, okay. uh, you know, there's, and you know, we would have farting contests at the uh, <laughs> front desk. So members would come up wanting, I don't know, help with a uh, renewal. And just me and uh, usually this one big guy, Armin, would just start farting and like people would complain because the front desk area smelled horrible. Oh my God. Uh, what's the last straw that like got you out of for the for any of the jobs? What was the last straw where you were like, I'm now done? Not necessarily like that you were fired, but you were like, I'm out. I can't do this job anymore. Well, I've never been fired, I, I, you know, but the last straw at this gym, which was really my last job was uh, one night I was working with another manager and they put like $500 on the desk and I counted it and I put it right next to her hand and said, you got it, Patty? And she's like, yeah. And then the next day they were like, Earl, where's the money? And I'm <gasps> like, what are you talking about? I said, well, Patty said you didn't give it to her. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. So I said, well, I gave it to her. Like she said, I got it. And they're like, well, uh, what are you going to do about it? And they kind of for they didn't force me, but they kind of did to pay it. So Come I really, on. yeah, I was like, but you know, I got my revenge, like I always do. How they, uh, were like, well, what are you gonna do about it? I'm like saying to myself, well, I don't want any trouble, I'll just pay it. So then a couple of weeks later, two other managers lost money and they weren't made to pay it. And then, uh, about a month after that, so maybe two months after my situation, two more managers lost money and weren't made to pay it. And so I was like, hey, why is everyone getting a pass on missing money? But I had to pay it. And they didn't really have an answer for me. So I sued uh, I sued the gym for, for my money. Holy shit. Did you get it back? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So I was like, F this place. When you, oh, this is going to be dirty audio. I'm sorry. When you're, I'm trying to let you tap your feet, but it is definitely ready. Oh, really? I'm sorry. I know. I like something. I don't really? know. Really? Yeah. You can hear that? It's crazy. Well, I don't know. Well, that's good mics. Yeah. Well, that or it's very annoying. Well, you know what it is? It's the what? hardwood floors. Oh, you think? Is that what's Oh, thinking? absolutely. Like when I got my podcast gear. Yeah. I'm, when I go in, I, I want, I go all in on stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I want the best mics. I want the mics Marin uses, which are like thousand dollar mics. Oh, his are crazy. But uh, if you have hardwood floors, it picks up the echo. Oh, that's Even if you is. muffle it with like the carpet 
doesn't matter. So sorry about that. I didn't no, it's it. fine. No, I was trying to let you do it. And then I was like, I can't. Oh, that sucks. Anyway, so sorry. Getting back to, okay. So, so you sued the gym. I sued the gym. We, I went to court, you know, and they probably thought, oh, this guy's in court by himself. He's just going to like do a kiss joke and like try and win the judge over. <laughs> but I, the day beforehand, I, I went to a very high-end lawyer and this guy gave me like a game plan. Of all, he was like Bill Belichick of lawyers. He's like, say this when the judge says this. You say this when they say that. And I followed it to a T and I, I dominated in this court case. Really? And was the judge like, congratulations, do you win? You Well, no, I, I think I, they, they told you like two days later. Uh, oh, okay. And then... Uh, you know, because I was had to go up against Patty, who was my friend, so I felt bad for her. But she and, stole from you. No, no, she didn't steal it. She, uh, someone else stole it. Oh, like, really? Uh, you know, I think. But then pa- she lied and said you didn't give it to her. Well, in her mind, I didn't. Like she was like the sweetest girl, but like, you know, I think what happened was I put the money by her hand and said, "Here, Patty, here it is." She said, "Okay," and she went to the her office and didn't take the money. Oh. I left. So I'm sure it was someone from the night crew that just, just oh, here's it. 500 bucks. And there's no cameras there oh. uh, at the time anyway. So uh, so you had to go up against her, though. I had to go up against her and the reborn Christian manager, who was like the big <laughs> manager. And he was okay. a very real pompous ass. So, uh, you know, I think they he specifically looked at me like, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk. And, uh, you know, I didn't I lost money because this lawyer was probably like, you know, a couple hundred bucks an hour. An hour. Yeah. So, uh, but I didn't care. It was the, the principal. I'm the same way. It gets me in trouble all the time. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't. I didn't care then. I. I, I don't care now. <laughs> okay. All right. How many bodily fluids have been on you while you're on the clock? Like of someone else. Oh, you mean like like has many? anyone vomited on you or oh, like? Uh, well, I bled do, on uh, you? One time a guy took a shit in the jacuzzi. I had to clean it. Oh, God. I didn't touch it, but I like, you know, uh, I've been pretty lucky in that. No one's ever thrown up on me at the gym. Uh, Wait, why did, did you catch the dude that shit in the jacuzzi? That's so foul. No, I had to, uh, his name was Milo. I'll never forget. He's a big black guy. He's like a pro wrestler type guy. And uh, he, somehow he snuck into the gym and he fell asleep in the jacuzzi. So when I had to open up the gym one day, I, you know, I'm turning on the lights and this is a massive gym. So you have to go in different rooms and put the lights on and make sure the water's running or all kinds of stuff. It takes like a half hour to open the gym. Sure. Because it's just, it's probably, it's probably a hundred thousand square feet. Holy shit. Uh, so, and there's probably um, seven or eight different rooms and you have to go in the women's locker room and make sure the towels and all that stuff are in the right area. So I go in the men's locker room last and uh, I go in the jacuzzi to turn it on, and Milo's asleep, and he gone duty. Oh in the jacuzzi. my god! Like shit his pants, shit his pants, and yeah, and just I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? He's like, oh man, I fell asleep. I'm sorry. So he was there all night. Yeah, he just felt. I mean, just like, he was probably in the jacuzzi for six hours. Holy shit! That can't be good for you. How he didn't drown, I'll never yeah. know. But yeah. uh, so that's probably the only time. Well, you know, and I've also had to, uh, you know, I've been in steam rooms where guys probably, you know jacked off in or something why is that a thing it's so hot in there how is that like sexy well gyms are it's like you know like Sexually i've seen charged. stuff in steam rooms that I, like that i wasn't i would i didn't work at this gym but like i live in west hollywood as you yeah. know and it's, it's pretty much a gay haven uh, yeah it's like uh you know and i live on the street that's like the cruising street so i see a lot of stuff and the gym I go, the two gyms I go to are very gay themed, uh, and I've seen some stuff in the in the steam room, uh, the 
one gym and is it just overlooked because of the uh, neighborhood? Yeah, I complained once, and I don't. I'm not a type that complains in certain areas, you know. Uh, so I, I saw this guy getting his butt eaten. Oh. This sounds like I'm doing bits, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> so I go upstairs. I'm like, hey, I just joined here. Uh, I can't have know, this. I know it's a gay gym for the most part. I, I get it, but uh, there's two guys chowing booty in the. <laughs> in the steam room right now <laughs> and the guy looks at me and goes you knew the deal when you signed up here bro are you shitting uh, me yeah, that's like, what he said i'm like no i didn't but uh, i didn't know eating ass was part right. of the gym membership <laughs> and i still you know am a member of the gym so it, it didn't bother me too much yeah clearly, clearly not enough to leave. very gay friendly yeah, I don't think that that doesn't come off as a criticism of the lifestyle. It comes off as like, I don't want to see public sex in yeah, I general. Mean, well, I would say it if I was... Uh, if it were heterosexual. Two straight people yeah, going. Same. I'm like, come on, man. Like This isn't that. This isn't for that. We're not at a nightclub. Yeah, and even if we were at a nightclub, I wouldn't yeah. be like, yeah. you know, hey, this is cool. So that's the closest I've ever had fluids on me. Okay. Do you tip? Oh, I tip way too. I probably tip 30%. That's that's uh, that's nice to hear. Why why do you tip so much? I learned that from my dad. He like that's why he was so popular at the country club is like for not to break down caddy tipping, but no, do it because I don't know anything about it. At the time at, at Bel Air, if you caddied for eight, and caddying's back breaking work. Like you're carrying a golf bag, which probably can weigh as probably as much as fifty pounds because it's got balls, it's got uh, uh, fourteen or more clubs in it. The bag itself is probably ten to fifteen pounds, just the bag. Uh, so it's it's really awful work. And Bel Air Country Club, any any golf course is hills and like it's exercise. So for eighteen holes, you, most people tip a caddy thirty dollars. My dad would, for nine holes, give him 50. Oh, wow. Plus free booze. <laughs> he was the number one yeah, there, for so sure. So I just learned that. Even if the service is bad, I'll, I'll, I'll tip you know, more than I should. Really? That, that was, you transitioned into a great, and that was going to be my next question. So you will, but have you ever stiffed a server of any kind? Uh, no, even ones that have been bad to me. Uh, there might have been, I can't really think of a particular uh, incident but I know there's been times where someone was like really rude and you know, I still left him 15%. Wow. You know, when I probably shouldn't have left him anything. <laughs> okay. And then what, what is the like, what's the rudest thing anyone has said to you whilst you were like working in a customer service position? Um, let me see. Or done to you, said or done. It goes back to the gym and scanning membership cards. You know, you do it so no one sneaks in and you know, you, I'm actually, you're doing it so, uh, people are getting value for the money that they're paying like sure. uh so i would scan this one girl's car and she's you know you see me every fucking day you don't know me by now what are you a fucking idiot jesus uh, and, and exactly and, and she was an older woman and and i'm like i'm doing this so people don't sneak in and also me. it's your job yeah that's literally your only job like, like it's it, like as if it's an affront to her existence that's my job. Yeah, it's 800 people a day at this place. I don't know everyone's name. I certainly don't know their expiration dates on their cards. And that's the yeah. What if she? Okay, you might have been a regular for six months, and then if you stop paying, yeah, like I mean, you might, you know, like I had to kick out Bill Madlock, yeah, you know, and if he's one of my favorite baseball players of all time, I'm gonna check your card, toots. Uh, <laughs> so, but I'm a kind of a scary looking guy. You know, especially back then, I was like a bodybuilder almost. So I never really got spoken down to uh, too much just because of my physical size. You're also a white male. So like, yeah. I mean, that's a little. But like, I'm a big 
dude. Even yeah. today, I'm like semi muscular or whatever. So you are I don't. Muscular. It's like I don't get hot, uh, heckled much. Uh, yeah. Oh, do you uh, think that's why? Oh yeah, that's interesting. Like, you know, I, I'm sure Rogan. Like, I'm not putting myself on his level, but like he's very muscular. And, I've like, literally never heard him get heckled. Yeah, because you're like this yeah. guy's a fifth degree black belt in this martial arts, and and, and jujitsu, fifth degree it? black belt in jujitsu yeah. too, and like, but it's probably like why. Uh, Holtzman, Brian Holtzman, rarely gets heckled because he's a big guy. He's also screaming at everyone yeah. for most of his sets. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I've been lucky even when I was in service positions of, you know, we don't really want to piss this guy off. He's, he looks like he could handle himself. So I've been very lucky in that regard. Well, that's a good thing. Were you ever, so when you worked valet, were you ever stiffed or were you tipped every time? Oh, I was stiffed a lot because, but you know, it, you know, I was probably paid more than most people just because people knew who my dad was and, and, you know, people would uh, tip twenty fifty dollars just because they're driving a, you know, a Lamborghini or Porsche or, you know, I mean, the, the wealth at Bel Air Country Club is, is pretty staggering and I can imagine today it's even worse. You know, you have tech, uh, tech people money. there who, yeah. uh, you know, back then it was mainly actors and uh, athletes and... Oil money. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it, it's... The tipping at the valet stand there is... I don't know if it was encouraged, but everyone had so much money they didn't... Yeah, here's 20 bucks, Earl. Let's go get my car. Half the time they wouldn't even make me get their car. Here's 50, Earl. We They're just hand dad. you money. Yeah, we love your dad. What was it like? But if you didn't know how to drive stick, what would you do when the car was a manual transmission? It was like, tough. Like, <laughs> oh, I would have killed you. I drive stick. I would have killed you if I saw you. <laughs> I mean, we had a system Lurching. set up, uh, and this is like walkie talkies. There wasn't even like a earpiece, you know, like the door people at the store have yeah. now. And they're like, hey, uh, you know, Mr. Brigatino just finished. He probably drank and might want to work on getting his car up there now. So I would try and like, sometimes I would push it in neutral. No, you would not. So me and my buddy, uh, you know, because uh, sometimes like if you were a caddy there and you were like responsible, they would have you in charge of the valet because the caddies at this place were out of their minds. Well, yeah, they're all drinking. <laughs> they're all drinking. They're degenerate gamblers. <laughs> uh, they're, uh, you know, they would get their money they would all want a caddy in the morning so they can go to the racetrack in the afternoon. Holy shit. Um, I mean, it was just, it, I mean, Caddyshack was really a life, a realistic portrayal. It's of like what, a documentary. What, yeah, it really was. Uh, so I would do what I could to get someone's car up to the front of, and there, most people drove stick back then. There was very yeah. few. Like now, the cars are so fast; they have to be made in automatic sure. because they the gears can't keep up. Keep up, sure. You know, like my car. I drive a super fast car. It, you couldn't have that car in a uh, stick. It's just it's it's Too not fast. capable. But back then, you know, a Porsche was stick. You know, they'd have uh, like James Bond cars that they were stick, and so you just. We had a communications system in place to try and get the car. <laughs> Did anyone know how to drive stick? Not really. Oh, that's terrible. So why didn't they fire everybody? Or, well, you didn't fire I anybody. Mean, but why didn't they lovingly suggest everybody quit who didn't know how? I don't know. It was very, for a place that was literally, who knows how much that country club is worth. Billions, probably. Yeah. Because it's in the middle of Bel Air. Like, it's... It's in the... Like it, Bel Air's a... We need to explain. Bel Air's a gated community now. I assume at the time it was not. But, like, to get into Bel Air, you have to pass through 
several gates. Yeah, I mean, to get into Bel Air Country Club, you you have to get in the Bel Air gate first, and then you have to get in the Country Club gate, and they grill you. Why are you here? Who do you know? Even if you're a member, they you Jesus. know. So, but they didn't really uh, for a place that's worth who knows how much. They were kind of loosely run, like yeah, it sounds like it. You know, the guy who was in charge of keeping the grass green, which is obviously important in a, a golf course. You know, he was like a massive pothead, and <laughs> like he'd bring girls into the his office or whatever. <laughs> so they, it'd be it's hard to get fired at the. Sounds like it. It's just like it's hard to get fired at the comedy store. It's possible. Sure. Oh, it's but possible, but you have to you short have to, of murdering someone there. Yeah. yeah, you have to be a real moron. Mm-hmm. It's real special when you do. <laughs> what, who's the worst customer you've ever interacted with? Probably the person who called me a moron and yeah, that's was, like, was just uh, so upset that I was doing my job. How dare you? I'm trying to think uh, if I've had any. I mean, I've had some, uh, I guess I guess you'd say I work at the comedy store, like, you know, to a degree. I, I'm an You perform employee. there. Yeah, you get paid uh, to perform there. I mean, I've had some, you know, rude people come up to me after a set and be like, you weren't that funny. Uh, Are you serious? It doesn't happen a lot, but like. That's so, I can never I cannot imagine going up to a performer ever, uh, short of them being horrible to me or embarrassing me or whatever. I cannot imagine going up to a performer and being like, "You did a bad job with your art." Yeah, I mean, most of them are drunk or coked up. Yeah, well, uh, yes, that's fact. Too. And and so like, and also if they're on a date, they want to prove to the date I'm funnier than this guy. And that kind of shit I don't understand. Or the ban- trying to banter, and it's like this is a one-sided exchange. You well, don't need be, to pretend. But, yeah, well, it should be. You know, but uh, th- those are probably the worst people I've ever encountered, and and I. I guess you'd say I'm in the service industry still. Like I'm yeah. up there getting paid to make someone laugh, and you know, not everyone's going to think you're funny. So uh, sometimes they voice that, and it's like, dude, okay, you, you try it. Yeah, seriously, do this grueling work. Have you ever been rendered speechless in any of these jobs, uh, where you literally had nothing to say? Really, when the girl showed me her boobs uh, to <laughs> prove that she's a woman, I, me and my buddy, I'll never forget Curtis. You want the keys to the women's massage room? <laughs> and, you know, she's like, oh, you want to see my fucking toots? And she just lifted Yoink. up her shirt. And I'm like, okay. I just stared and I'm like, here are the keys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's the rudest thing you've ever said to a customer? Well, one time I had to work the pro shop too. Uh, this was at the Bel Air Country Club. No, this was at, at Sports Connection. Okay, uh, they had a Pete's. pro shop there too. Well, for like sports bras and oh, got uh, it. Okay, sweats and racquetball things and Gatorade and whatnot. And uh, this lady tried on this pair of leggings, and you know, I was younger at the time, so I probably wasn't thinking. And she, <laughs> she's like, "Do these make me look fat?" I'm like, "Yeah, they kind of do." But I mean, that's honest. Yeah, <laughs> but like, that, I mean, that's I probably kind of rude. But that was the. Uh, she wasn't looking for that response. Yeah, the naivete of uh, maybe I should just say, well, you know, we have bigger sizes. Um, <laughs> okay. So, but I wasn't rude on per- intentionally, but. Yeah, you're not a you're not a jerk. That's not no, your but vibe. I probably could have said it in differently the, in another uh, way. Okay. All right. Now we're going to transition onto the good stuff. We hoped you guys saved room for dessert. Who's the best customer that you've ever interacted with that you can think of? This guy uh, at my dad's country club tipped me a hundred dollars once. Uh, Just cause. And he didn't even made me get the car. He came out and I'm like, Mr. Mamacuni and I'll get your car. It's like, Oh, don't worry about it. And he just shook my hand and 
I felt something in it, and he just walked away. And I looked, and it's like there's a hundred dollars. But this guy was in like wild oil money. So. See, that's that's lovely. Not to like continue to bring it back to him, but Rogan does that a lot for us. He'll oh, just Rogan, like hand yeah. us hundred dollars, which is yeah. just super cool. And Russell Peters does the same thing. Yeah, he does. He does. And uh, so, um. that, Mr. Mamakunian, thank you. <laughs> May he rest? I assume. Uh this is probably thirty years ago, and he was old then. So, so if he's alive. He's he's not doing well. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what was the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were uh, working? Whatever. I mean, this probably goes back to even though I don't consider uh, like being a comic. I, I guess you're in this like what I told you, you about the, uh, the giving you the, the Abdul the butcher doll. Uh, okay. Just the fact that someone would like he might have even had it custom made. Like I, he, Abdul the butcher is a very like specific uh, obscure reference. Like, he was never even allowed to wrestle in the WWE because why. Well, he's just too—he was too bleeding. violent. He was bleeding yeah, everywhere. They can't. Like yeah. he has hepatitis now, and he still wrestles. Like, Does he really? Yeah. Wait, is that a true? Yeah, like no one will wrestle him because obviously he's and, bleeding all over everyone. And, and he uh, he has this restaurant in Atlanta called Abdullah's Ribs, and he like he cooks sometimes. And like, if you've ever been over a grill, it's hot. Yeah. So you're sweating, and he's like sweating into the food, and like he has hepatitis. It's like what the? Fuck? Oh my god! Is that common knowledge that he has hepatitis? Oh yeah, everyone knows. Like uh, he's famous among wrestling fans. But you know, to get someone to think so highly of me that they would make me, you know, a, a specific doll of a very kind of obscure wrestler. That's that's probably that's pretty kind. Yeah. Okay. What's the best lesson you learned working at customer service? Uh, that the customer, you know, it's, it, you said it uh, in this podcast, uh, the customer is always right. And I find that uh, the customer's usually wrong, but you have to treat them like they're right. <laughs> yes. That's a great way of saying it. Yes. So that's like, you know, they're rarely right. You I know, agree. like I've seen people argue, not you, yeah, yeah. but like waitresses, oh, I don't want to pay for a two drink minimum. I'm not thirsty. And it's like, well, that's the rules, you know, that the door guy or girl literally told you that before you walked in. And like, yeah. it's like, I'm just doing my job. And like, you know, it, it's, they can get pretty wacky with their denial of the rules. Yeah, it's crazy. And you're also seeing like, like the lineup last night was insane and bill burr popped in wasn't even on the lineup and the number of times i got stiffed i was just like you just saw the best comics in the world for 15 to 20 dollars and you're mad that you had to do a two drink minimum and so you're stiffing us it just oh, i don't get bad tipping i mean i've seen some of your girls tips and you know it's like on a 63 dollar bill they'll, they'll tip three dollars i got that last night on a 60 dollar bill i got three dollars but that's like don't go out that's what th Earl, you're good at these transitions. It's as if we prepared this. I agree. I agree. But it's not making fun of people who can't afford to go out. No, it's just uh, don't. You know, don't like, uh, you know, just don't go out if you can't afford to. Because it is expensive to go out, you know. Especially on the Sunset Strip. Yeah, it's a two-drink minimum. If you go to any uh, nightclub or comedy club, it's it's usually a two-drink minimum. Yeah. Pay for parking, the entrance to the club so that's you know you're looking it's a hundred bucks minimum, minimum to go out yeah and that's not even including dinner yeah but you know if you can't afford to like tip people for servicing you then you know netflix yeah there are other options nine bucks i agree okay um what's one piece of advice that you would give to customers who interact with customer services workers well we all uh shit out of the same hole so 
treat everyone the same just because you're out one night don't treat someone who is a waitress or you know a waiter or you know even a gas station attendant you know they're putting gas in your car so you can go to wherever you're going like treat everyone the same mm. i see russell peters who's worth literally makes 20 million dollars a year doing stand-up rogan whatever he makes a year and he treats open micers like they're on his level oh it's the nicest thing yeah. to watch and it's not it just because joe gives a hundred dollars to the lock guy it's, every no, time or russell that. will take open micers or whoever out on the road to open and, and like literally will take them to a shopping mall and go uh, just get get yourself a watch oh uh, i didn't know he did oh that. yeah like oh earl uh, like he sent me i don't think he would mind me saying this he knows i'm a big 80s metal fan and his friend you know russell's friends with a lot of like very important people and his friend's a dj and he made him this special 80s rocker mix that oh. you know most people would pay thousands of dollars for just because this guy's so known in his field and russell just sent me a file of it you are know. you kidding me yeah so it, it's like getting diplo to make you a, a special dance mix or whatever directly to, wow so uh, just treat everyone the same i mean we're all no one's better than anyone Mm, do you really fundamentally believe that? Oh, I do. Like, you know, I don't. That's why I tip 30%, you know, just because I respect people who work in a service job because maybe I didn't have the hardest service jobs in the world, but I, I was there at one point. You know, I, I respect the guy uh, who's the taller African-American gentleman at the store. He's newer. He's uh, just literally his job is to get ice and stuff. Oh, oh well, he's no longer with us, but Bruce oh, was his well, name. there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. he get fired? No, he quit. Oh, okay. He has like IBM money and he was just doing it to have like a job. And like he kept calling out or not showing up. And then okay. he came one shift and he was like, this is my last shift. <laughs> was but like, he was okay. so nice. He was so lovely. And like, you know, just humble. And like yeah. I treated him as nice as I do Russell Peters or Joe. Yeah. Because that's how I was raised. You know, my dad was literally friends with billionaires and, and prostitutes. The uh, really? And caddies. You know, and he treated the caddies as nice as he would Howard Keck, who was wow. like beyond a billionaire. Like, wow. What, I don't know what's above a billionaire, but Howard Keck was that. Trillionaire? Uh, he probably was. I mean, just like his home in Bel Air was just massive, mm. like, like big. Like our home would have been his guest house. Jesus, wretched excess. Yeah, and that's I learned that from my dad. Just treat everybody's everyone the same. same. You know, he he would tip well. He would he would like give money to homeless guys and and give them like you know a three hundred dollar cashmere sweater that he had. He's like, well, I can just get another one. Here's one. Wow. Which is what I did like a couple of weeks ago. It was so cold for LA anyway. It, well, it was down in the 40s. I mean, that's yeah, cold. That's cold for us. And uh, I saw this homeless guy shivering and I had a John Barbados leather oh, jacket wow. in my car. And uh, I'm like, I, you know, I don't wear this one that much anymore. So I stopped my car and I, I said, hey, dude, it's cold here. And he looks at the chat and goes, shit, this is a nice jacket. Did he really say that? <laughs> that's lovely. But probably the funniest story I have, and I know it, it doesn't really fit the theme of the it's podcast. Okay. but Tell it anyway. Uh, I was walking my dog one night and it Lois. was Lois in the house and it was freezing. It was very, very cold that night and I saw a homeless guy shivering mm. and all I had on was my Comedy Central Roast Battle uh, hoodie on and it was, they did do you very nice in that regard. Like they the custom made hoodie and yeah. some Earl on it season one and uh, Jeff Ross Roast Battle big logo on the back. I really love this hoodie and uh, I was like, man... 
I don't want to give this guy my hoodie, but it, this guy's like oh. he's shivering beyond anything I've ever seen a human. So I, I just lay the jacket over him and said, here, you can have it. And then I had to run home because I was now shirtless. Freezing. And it was like <laughs> in West Hollywood at 2 in the morning. So I, you were asking for some, like, some I tail. Get, I get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so the next night I'm walking Lois. I see the guy taking a shit on the sidewalk. And he's wiping his ass right on the Comedy Central logo. You are kidding. Earl, that didn't happen. Yeah. He's wiping his butt with my hoodie. Oh, my God. I would have died. Were you so upset? I mean, that was kind of funny. <laughs> Always the for the joke, you stupid Right comics. on the logo, too. That's I so. can't. That's amazing. I hope that that's actually true. <laughs> oh, it's 100% true. Like, I know it has nothing to do with this podcast. No, that's hilarious. It just uh, it goes back to my... my I learned my generosity from my father. Well, I want to add a story to that because, um, so we spent Thanksgiving together this year with your significant other and some of my friends. And we went to the rainbow, which is, um, just like a bar and grill, also a concert venue on the sunset strip that has huge historic legacy. And inside it was gangbusters cause they were doing an all you can eat Thanksgiving. And we waited probably an hour for seats and Earl during that time, it was pouring down rain outside and he turns to his girlfriend and he was like, oh, I'm going to run to the ATM and got cash and tip the guy who sat us after having had us wait for an hour, still gave him a tip and was like, happy holidays. And the dude's face, he was like, oh, 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 thanks, man. Like he was genuinely surprised <laughs> and they didn't hook us up or do anything different or treat us any differently. And we definitely waited and Earl still tipped. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, damn, this dude is uh yeah, I'm telling on you. I should. Well, I gave the girl at the desk, you know, she was under siege the whole night. Yeah, you tipped her too. Uh, I tipped her 40 bucks just to, and she probably thought I was picking up on her. I'm like, no, it's my girlfriend right here. Like, I'm not, yeah. you know, and then uh, I think. And she asked me for a job. Yeah. So, well, I know at the <laughs> Rainbow, they're not getting tipped. Like, it's just. The front desk people are not getting tipped? I don't think they? so at all. I, I would venture to say I was probably the only person who tipped her that night. Just because wow. it's old rockers, it's Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy was there that night. That He's was not tipping, trust me on no. that one. Well, he doesn't have it. Yeah. I mean, from oh, that, so, that was uh, sad. Yeah. You know, I just think, you know, I've worked semi-shitty jobs before, and I'm sure being the front desk girl at the Rainbow on, on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving night, you're, you don't want to be there, but you need the money, and you're making, I'll guess she's making $15 an hour sitting there. Twelve seventy-five. Uh, yeah. I can tell you what the minimum so, wage is. I mean, I'm so minimum wage for me at Sports Connection was five seventy-five. But even that, I mean, like you couldn't have lived on that either. Even No, oh, like, I was lucky to like, you know, uh, my parents helped me out, so... You know, that's, that's nice. why it goes back to I could afford to be like, no, I'm not going to be spoken to like that. <laughs> but you still clean shit out of a jacuzzi because oh, you were Milo. somewhat dedicated. <laughs> okay. Milo the magician. <laughs> well, Earl, thank you so much for being on. How can people get in touch with you or how can they see past episodes of things you've been in that have already aired? Just like how do people get eyes on you or ears? On it's you? really easy. It's on Twitter and Instagram. It's just at Earl Skakel and that's E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L inappropriate earl podcast which is on apple podcast and soundcloud if you don't do apple <laughs> um i guess you could uh see the i'm dying up here on uh, showtime sure uh, on demand yeah they have uh it's two seasons it's not coming back but you know it happens how do we get you on the jellies how jellies uh adult is it swim or was well adult it swim? is cartoon network and adult swim okay i think it depends on what cable system you have or if you have direct tv Okay. Like on DirecTV, for me, it's called Cartoon Network. But uh, I think it's free if you go on, uh, I guess, adultswim.com. 
and you know roast battle if you uh if it gets you to go on comedy central's site and you just put in earl skakel roast battle all my past battles show up that's awesome so there's a lot of ways to get to see you. Well, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here, service from hell. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends to listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thank you for being here, Earl. We appreciate you very much. Thank you. And leave reviews yeah, on leave iTunes. Re- yeah, people don't helps. understand yeah, it how actually, important that is. Yeah, it's weird how much that helps. Well, like, it's yeah. just it's the algorithms. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's absolutely! What it... Like for all you podcasters out there, like it's based on your cover art, which I was like seems ridiculous to me. I didn't know that. But if you look, if you go in the top twenty and say iTunes comedy or Apple Podcast comedy, you'll yeah. notice everyone has cool cover art. Like Rogan has that kind of that cartoon yeah. of him and Joey Diaz, and it's also oh, the reviews. Joey. Reviews and ratings are huge on uh, iTunes. That's nuts. Thanks, so. Earl. That was a good plug for my podcast. Appreciate you. But it's true. Like <laughs> no, you just. True provided an hour and a half or whatever it was yeah hour and a half of entertainment for someone who's driving in their car the least that person can do is it takes 30 seconds to go on apple podcast look up the name of this podcast five stars and then leave a, a sentence review of i like a guest i like kate uh, whatever it, it, you're out in it, it, 30 seconds thanks Harold. yeah guys listen see it's not even me plugging my own shit it was earl who's been vetted and is a comic and he's helping me thank you thank you um happy holidays everybody talk to you soon bye leave reviews yeah, on leave itunes re- yeah, people don't helps. understand